Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And this, this truth's in my heart. And boy, I was so blessed when Brother Brad sang the very first song this morning. It just was confirmation for one thing. But then God just blessed my heart with a wonderful singing as well. And the worship spirit, spirit, I thank the Lord for God's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If you're saved this morning, you're saved by the grace of God. And I want to bring you a message just simply entitled, By Grace. Look with me, please, in chapter number two at verse number one. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us together, raised us up together, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them." Notice, if you will, please, the beginning of verse 8. For by grace are you saved. By grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the wonderful singing, for the great presence of the Holy Ghost of God here this morning. But Father, for so many guests and visitors who've come. And our Father, for those of our church fellowship, many who've been sick and are now back to worship with us here. Thank you for them being here. And I pray God the Holy Spirit now would speak to every heart. Our Father, I want to thank you for your people who have obeyed you in your biblical command to not forsake the assembly of themselves together. And Lord, so much the more as we see the day approaching. But God, I pray God for those who've come into this building this morning especially, who've never experienced saving grace. And I pray God the Holy Ghost this morning would speak to their heart. And God will thank you and praise you. And God, for those who are saved, I pray God that Lord, as we once again look at what you've done for us, that God throughout the message today, God, that we lift our hearts and our minds and our, our voices in praise to you for what you've done for us by saving us by grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I guess probably as I preach through the hymns in the summertime, the most favorite psalm, or most favorite hymn of this church and nationwide and worldwide is Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. And why is it such a favorite? Well, it's the truth of the song. It is the reality that's in that song. I once was lost, 
but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, but grace my fear relieved. And then that last verse that we sang a little while ago, when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Because we've shouted it out now because of grace, but we'll be praising it for all eternity because of grace. It's the one theme that echo across the walls of heaven when you and I get there. Grace, grace, amazing grace. We're here in this place with a brand new body in a brand new city, rejoicing in the presence of God where there's no sin or sickness or sorrow. And it's all by grace. Hallelujah for that. Thank God for grace. In this passage of scripture, I want you to notice in the first place, the condition that grace found you in. If you've ever experienced grace, notice the condition here that grace found you in. You were lost and alienated from God. Look in verse one. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses in sin. I want you to note in this particular passage of scripture, there's no mention of race. There's no mention of nationality. There's no mention of station in life. There's no mention of age. There's no mention of education. We're all dead in trespasses and sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, we're alienated from God. And that's where grace found us. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We had mental faculties. We have physical abilities. But in our heart, in the spirit man, we were dead in trespasses and sin. And ultimately, we would be consigned to a place called hell because of our sin. That's called the second death, to be in hell for all eternity. But that's where grace found us, found us when we were dead in trespasses and sin. And the truth be known, you didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. Dead men can't go anywhere. The Holy Ghost of God through his divine providence and and through his marvelous grace came seeking you where you were and grace found you dead in trespasses and sin. But not only do I notice the condition he found us in, but notice the control he found us under in this passage of scripture. Look at verse number two, wherein in times past you walked according to the, according to this world, a course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Here I note how grace found us and the, not only the condition it found us in, but the control it found us under. It says in this passage of scripture that there was a time in times past when we walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. People say, I want to do my own thing. But the truth of the matter is when you're lost, you don't do your own thing. You have no control over it. You're dead in trespasses and sin. But the Bible says in this passage of scripture, the control you are under, number one, is the course of the world. Now, when it's, when it's talking about the course of the world here, it doesn't mean just a route. It doesn't mean that you're going the way the world's going voluntarily, although that is true of believers. But it has to do with this. That you, my dear friend, who are dead in trespasses and sin are being carried down like the course of a river. The real, the emphasis of the word in the Greek is conveyance of the word, of the world. It means that you'll be an ushered along 
by the world. It means it's carrying you along as a piece of lifeless debris. You're caught up in the world system with the world's thinking and you have no control over that because you're dead in trespasses and sin. You say, Brother Billy, I hear people who do awful, awful things, but I've been raised right. I never would do those things. My dear friend, there are jail cells full of people who said they would never do those things. The cemetery is full of people who said they would never do those things. But my dear friend, as long as you're lost, my dear friend, you're the very mercy of the conveyance of this world. And when I go through the airport, and uh, if it's a big airport, most of the time we have them here in Raleigh as well. You have these long corridors that you go from one gate to another. But in certain places, they have these moving sidewalks. And I use them every chance I get. I mean, you get on that. If you don't want to walk, you don't have to walk, but you're still going to go to the other end. But you know what? You say, Brother Billy, I got on that conveyor belt and I, I go along, but most of the time I walk. And buddy, I can walk. I mean, I can smoke it down through that because I walk pretty fast anyhow. But when I'm on that conveyor, I'm going that much faster. My dear friend, many of you are drifting along, but you're being carried by the conveyance of the world. It's ushering you down through a life of heartache and sadness and sorrow. It'll end you up in hell one of these days. But many of you, like I do, you've done gone to run in the way of the world. You're, you're running on that conveyor belt and you're headlong, heading toward hell. And it may not be before dark that you'll be in hell for all eternity because of your rebellion and rejection of God and going just as hard as you can away from God. That's where the control that grace found me under. I, I had no control over my life. But then notice it says according to the prince of the power of the air. And so it's not only the world. But there's a great enemy of every human being on the face of the earth. It's Satan himself. That's who that's talking about, the prince of the power of the air. My dear friend, Satan is here to destroy you. He's, he's as a roaring lion in walking about seeking whom he may devour. My dear friend, listen, he wants to damn you to hell for all eternity. And he'll do the very best he can to do that. And the Bible says that you were by nature the children of wrath. And so he found it not only controlled by the world, he found you controlled by Satan, but he found you controlled by an old nature. You see, you have Adam's nature in you when you're lost. And he's, Jesus said, and the lust of your father, you'll do. You're going to obey that old nature. You're going to just do what that old nature tells you to do and rebel against God. That's where, that's where grace found me. Found me under the control of the world. Found me under the control of Satan. Found me under the control of an old wicked nature. And listen, that's where he found me. Grace came a hunting me. I didn't go hunting grace. Christ the good shepherd came seeking me. I didn't go seeking him. But thank God he came to where I was. I love that old song that Squire Parsons sing. He came to me. The gulf that separated me was far and wide and I couldn't get across. But I'm glad he came to where I was. But not only did I notice the condition that grace found you in. And not only the control it found you under. But notice the, the conduct it found you living. Notice what it says in verse number three. Among whom also we all had our conversation. That means your behavior, your lifestyle in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath. My dear friend, listen, here's the conduct of lost people. They fulfill the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. It's whatever is in that old heart. That's what you're going to do. That's why people, you say, why does why do people do what they do? Because it's, it's in their nature. It's in their heart. It's what they do. They fulfill the lust of the flesh. They fulfill the lust of the mind. I have people from time to time tell me, Brother Billy, I want you to go see so-and-so, my loved one. But now 
I, I hate for you to go because no telling what he'll say or what she'll say. They may just cuss you out. I said, well, that's all right. I've been cussed out by good people before, let alone lost people. But I, listen, I said, you know why they'll do that? Because that's who they are. And if you know who they are, you understand. You understand why lost people do what they do. You understand why they act like they do. It, the reason is because they're lost. That's what they do. They, that, their conduct, that is their conversation. And we all had that. The Bible said we all had that at one time. We were all controlled by that. My dear friend, listen, fulfill the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. And my dear friend, there are things that you want to stop doing that you can't do. There are lusts that eat you alive. There are things in your mind that you war against that you can't stop. You know why? Because, my dear friend, you're controlled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're, you're like that, and that's why you do what you do. You say, Brother Billy, I think I'll just stop. No, you won't. You won't stop. You, you may try. You may be able to give up something like drinking, or you may be able to give up this, but you're still going to have that old nature raging inside of you. And my dear friend, that's not what you need. Because notice, not only do I notice here the condition, the Bible says that you were dead in trespassing sin. I was dead in trespassing sin. And I was controlled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. But it says that my conduct exhibited that. I live like that. Now, here are folk who join our church and join somebody else's church, and they still live like the devil. They still live in a body of flesh. You see them around the church house. They have no control over their temper. They have no, no control over their passions. And they still want to live like the devil. The people, they, they want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can just tell you right now, they're still dead in trespassing sin. They've never been saved. Because I, I'll notice that the next part of this grace, I want you to notice the conversion that grace brought to me and the grace that grace brought to those of you who are saved. You didn't do it yourself. It was by Grace. You were dead in trespasses and sin. You were under the control of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you were, your conduct fitted that. Your conduct was just exactly that way. You live like a lost person. But thank God for the rescue of the good shepherd. Thank God for grace that came and lifted you. Thank God for grace uh, that rescued you, much like it did John Newton, the writer of the, of the great hymn, Amazing Grace. Notice, first of all, the motive for God sending his amazing grace. Look at the verse, if you will, please, here with me. In verse number four, no, God's motive, but God. Oh, listen, you were dead in trespasses and sin. You were under the control of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Your, your character, your conversation exhibited that, verse three. But in verse number four, Here's God changing the whole story. Here's him turning the thing completely around. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Listen, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying that when you were dead in trespasses and sin, when you were under the control of the world, the flesh and the devil, my dear friend, when your conduct exhibited that old nature that was inside of you, when you were fulfilling the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, did you know he loved you? He loved you before you ever knew him. The Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to quit doing anything to get born again by the grace of God. But when you get born again, you'll quit doing those things you've been doing. It'll make a difference because there is a conversion. There's a new birth that takes place. And, and listen, the motive of him doing that is because he had a great love for us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you this morning that your mama may not love you, your daddy may not love you, the community may not love you, but God in heaven loves you so much he gave his only begotten son to die for you. He loves you with a great love, not just a a passive love, not just a, a casual care to be pitiful for those who are in a bad shape, but he loves you with a great love. It's called a soul love the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you with a great love. He loved you like he loved his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That blew your mind. That's one verse in the Bible that I have never got over from the first time I read it. Jesus prayed in John 17 and he says, Father, thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Did you know that you look around you, men and women, boys and girls, that God the Father loves you as much as he loves his own darling son. That's a great love. It's a so great love, my dear friend, that he loved us so much. That's the motive of him saving us. There's nothing else. It's not what you're going to do for him. It's not what you'll live after him. It's none of those things. He just set his love on you. He just purposed to save you. And grace is God responding to our need out of his great love. God's grace was set on us because he loved us. But now notice the means of that grace. He says it in this passage of scripture I've just read to you. And I want to emphasize for you here in this passage of scripture. He said this. He said, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in, sin, dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you're saved. And then in verse number eight, for by grace are you saved. Here is the means whereby he saves us. There, there's a threefold part of it, I believe. Because first of all, there is the mercy of God. I list it first because it appears first in our text. Mercy of God. You know what mercy of God is? Mercy of God is not giving us what we do deserve. We're dead in trespass and sin. We've rebelled against God. We're fulfilling the lust of the flesh and of the mind. And you're doing all those things. And the reason you're not in hell right now is his mercy. He's extended mercy. He did not give you justice. He has not executed on you his wrath. But the Bible said, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. Hanging over the head of every lost person in this building. I'm talking about boys and girls. Remember when I started off, I didn't say anything about age or race or or nationality or anything. Hanging over every lost person in this room is the wrath of God. And the only thing that keeps that wrath from falling on you right now and you being in hell for all eternity is his mercy. His mercy. God not giving you what you do deserve because the wages of sin is death. And he has not executed that. He's not executed that condemnation on you yet. He's not consigned you to hell for all eternity yet. And it's his mercy that's holding back his wrath, holding back his wrath. But the means of salvation is his mercy. But then his grace, his grace. Somebody said grace, you take it, make an acrostic. God's remedy at Christ's expense. Grace is God responding to our great need. When we couldn't save ourselves, when we're dead in trespass and sin, when we had no control over anything in our life, God sent forth his only begotten son to suffer, bleed and die for us. And his grace, for by grace, Are you saved? God's remedy 
at Christ's expense. God, by grace, has purposed to, you know what grace is? Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve, but grace is receiving what we do not deserve. Listen, the Bible said there's none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible says this, that Jesus Christ died to save the ungodly. He was righteous and we were ungodly, but the godly died to save the unrighteous. My dear friend, the Bible said, there's none that seeketh after God. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. And that's amazing grace that God would come and save us like that, that God would send his marvelous grace to do that. And the Bible says in this passage of scripture, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's the means. That's the channel whereby you become that great, that, that receive that great salvation. That is your response. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But now notice something else in this passage of scripture, if you will, please. Notice not only as I, I deal with this, notice the meaning of salvation that's in this passage of scripture. The means of salvation is God's mercy. It's God's grace and it's appropriated by faith. But now notice the meaning of it. It's in this passage of scripture. Notice what it says about it. Look at verse number five. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, quickened us. That word means to make alive. Look at verse number one. And you hath he quickened who were dead. Now, you don't have to be a Greek scholar to understand the significance of that. You were dead in trespass and sin because you'd sin, you were alienated from God. But the word quicken means to make alive. He gave you new life. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And my dear friend, that's a new life. He speaks new life into you. It is not joining a church. It is not reading some catechism or some rules and regulations and adhering to those. It is not adopting some theological stand. It is something that really genuinely happens. Somebody's dead and they get alive. Somebody's on their way to hell and they turn around and they're on their way to heaven. They have no response to God. They don't seek after God. They don't understand anything about God and God quickens them, makes them a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. My dear friend, listen, they're quickened. They're made alive. Something takes place on the inside of you. There's a life inside of you, something different inside of you. And my dear friend, you can make a profession of faith all you want to. You can pray all you want to, get baptized every week. But my dear friend, until there's new life in you, you've never been born again by the grace of God. He's quickened you. That means he gave you life from death to life, from darkness to light. You're a new creature. There's life inside of you you've never had before. There's a hunger you've never had before. There's a desire for the word of God you never had before. There's a love for the people of God you never had before. There's a love for the house of God you never had before because you've got a brand new life inside of you. You say, I can't live that life. You don't live that life. It's a gift. God gives you that gift. And through the work of the Holy Spirit of God, he'll work it out of you. My dear friend, listen, it's real. It's real. He gives you, it's quickening. It is a quickening. Here's the meaning of salvation. It is giving life. It is meaning. It is a new birth. But now notice something else in verse number six. He says this, not only did he quicken us, but he hath raised us. He's raised us. It's the idea of resurrection. It's the idea of, of coming up to a different level. You see, when you're lost, you're part of Adam's race. You're part of Adam's race, born in Adam. And in Adam all die. You're part of that human race. But my dear friend, when you get saved by the grace of God, not only does he quicken you, make your life, but you're elevated. You're no longer just a human. 
Now you're going to, I see eyeballs roll back in your head. First John, now are we the sons of God. We became partakers of a divine nature. My dear friend, we just changed families. We're no longer in Adam's family. We are child of the king. We made a royal descendant. My dear friend, he raised you up out of that debauchery, out of that old dead nature. He raised you up out of that family and put you in a brand new family in Christ Jesus. Notice something else. Not only is it defined by quickening, by giving you life, but by transforming you from a, who you were and the, the family you went into a new family. But in verse number six, he says this, he raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. My dear friend, he's caused you to be a, in a positionally in the family of God. My dear friend, what a wonderful thing that is, that God has done that for us. He changed us radically. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I wouldn't give you five cents for every Baptist in the world because hell's going to be full of Baptists. Heaven will be full of independent Baptists, Southern Baptists. Hell will be full of free will Baptists. Hell's going to be full of Methodists. But listen, only folk going to heaven is those who've been quickened, who've been raised, and who are sitting down in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, born again by the grace of God. Oh, you say, well, I read the Bible. Don't mean nothing. I don't mean nothing. Oh, you say, well, I believe it. The Bible said the devil believes and trembles. But the question is, are you alive? Have you been born again by the grace of God? Don't you sit here and die and go to hell thinking you're all right because you're a member of this church, anybody else's church. You better know, my dear friend, that grace, by grace, he's made a difference in your life. He's quickened you, made your life. He raised you up out of Adam's race and put you in a new race. But more than that, he's raised you up and elevated you and you're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God. That's why some folk can't shout. If, you, if you're already raised up, you're sitting in glory. If you just open your eyes up, you see a lot to shout about. Praise God. I mean, listen, you're, 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 you're just as sure for heaven as you're already there. You're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The meaning of grace. But wait a minute. There's another step to this. Look at verse number 10. The meaning of salvation by grace. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Oh, look at that little word. We're his workmanship. We're the product of his ability. We're the product of his knowledge. We're the product of his work. It's him doing it. It's not me. I'm not trying to be a good Christian. I am a good Christian because I got saved by the grace of God. I'm, I, I'm going to heaven, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done. He's a working it in me. But watch, here's the next step. Not only quickening, not only raised, not only sitting, but notice created. Good works are not what's created. It's that individual. He said this, we, he said this, we are his workmanship created. We are created. God creates a brand new person when you get saved by the grace of God. He is not a remodeler. He is not an editor. He is a creator. He don't fix you up, patch you up. He, he, he's, he's not a handyman. But my dear friend, he makes you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. You are created a brand new creature. You become partakers of a divine nature. You have a new name written down in glory. And thank God you've got a new home on the other side. You are now a child of the King, created in Christ Jesus. That's more than joining a church. That's more than believing what everybody else believes. It means something's happened to you. That's made a radical change in your life. And it's all by 
grace. He does it by his grace. My dear friend, listen, what about it? Who is the mediator? And I've emphasized it already in the message, but I need to do this now, especially. Who is the mediator? Who's the one that gives this out? Who is the one that makes the difference? Who is the one that changes us? Who's the one that comes to us when we're dead in trespass and sin? Who's the one that takes care of us? Who comes to us when we're under the control of the world, the flesh and the devil? Who is it? Who is it? Look at it, if you will, please, in your Bible. And if you mark your Bible, please mark this. Notice in verse number five. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, watch this, with Christ. Now, if you mark your Bible, I want you to mark those two words, with Christ. Then, if you will, please look down and, and look with me a little further and look down at verse number six. And hath raised up together, us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Watch this. In Christ Jesus. With Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And then again, look at verse number seven. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding rich of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There are three words there. I guess you'd call them prepositions. There's a word in this passage of scripture that says you're with Christ, in Christ, through Christ. My dear friend, the way you get saved and the way grace is imparted to you is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way you can go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're with him, in him, and salvation is through him. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You only, only you can get, you go to, way you can go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him and it's with him and it's through him, him alone. When you get to heaven, he's not going to care a thing about whether you are Baptist or not. Not going to care whether you are Methodist or not. One thing matters, Jesus. Because you don't get in without Jesus. You won't go through the gates Without Jesus, my dear friend, it's him. You've got to have him. He is the mediator. But now what is the method of grace? How is it that I can appropriate that grace? Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. The word faith, faith, it is by his grace through faith. He's extended mercy, extends grace. My dear friend, faith is what you have to exhibit, what you have to have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that it's not left to your own will. He works in you and he puts in your heart that desire to be saved. He gives your desire to be saved because you see, there was a time that you didn't give a rip about going to heaven. You didn't care a thing about the Bible. You didn't care a thing about God. And you never gave a thought to dying and going to hell. But right now, some of you, since you've been sitting in here, your attention's been turned just a little bit. And there's an interest and a question mark. If I died now, would I go to heaven? My dear friend, the Holy Ghost of God does a work in your heart. And he creates in you a desire to respond. And the Bible said he dealt to every man a measure of faith. Can I say this to you? I believe on the authority of God's word. When the spirit of God deals with you, 
He said, no man come to the Father but by me. No man come to me except the Spirit of God draw me. But when the Spirit of God deals with you and he puts that desire in your heart, he will not turn you away. Anybody in this building, anybody in the internet audience, anybody in the radio audience, anybody who hears this message later, my dear friend, anybody who has a desire to be saved, that is not natural. That is not natural because lost people are dead. The lost people, the Bible says, they do not seek after God. They do not, my dear friend, understand. They are blind and dead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. God, the Holy Ghost has put in your heart a desire to be saved. He wants to save you. And you must exhibit faith. Let me show you a verse in the book of Romans. If you've got, will you turn back there real quick if you've got your Bible? Romans, first chapter, chapter one and verse 16. Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again. Isn't it great news that that gospel is the power of God to save? And he says he'll do it for everyone right here. Everyone. He died to save the whole world. He paid the sin debt for the whole world. But read the rest of the verse. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. My dear friend, in order for you to benefit from God's marvelous mercy and his marvelous grace, is you must respond in faith. He said the gospel's the power of God unto everyone that believeth from faith to faith and the just shall live by faith. You want to be saved? You want to trust Christ? You step out in faith. And in simple faith, you believe that Christ died for you and you by faith call on him. You say, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. You have to believe it. And you have to by faith call upon him. The Bible said, if you believe in your heart, confess you with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. My dear friend, did you know you could become a brand new creature? The devil will tell you you can't live the life. Just agree with him. He's right. I know I can't live the life. The devil will tell you, you've, you've been wicked. You've done so many wicked things. Tell him, you're right. There was a time I lived, I fulfilled the lust of the flesh and of the mind. And, and I've done that even up to the time I walked in this building this morning. But I don't need to be recapped. I need to be regenerated. I need to be made brand new. The old person that walked in here, that old woman, that old man, that, if they go back out and do the very same thing. But if God in his marvelous grace this morning would create a brand new creature, if God would change you completely, give you a new heart and give you a new mind and forgive all of your sin and make you a child of God, you could do what he wants you to do for you're his workmanship in cre- creating uh, unto good works through Christ Jesus. The question is this, will you come to him? He's the only mediator He's the only one. 
It's through him. It's in him. It's by him. He's the only way. Will you bow your heads in prayer with every head bowed, every eye closed? Absolutely no way in the world you can save yourself. It's not doing good deeds. It's not trying to be a Christian. There must be a birth by grace. There's got to be a new creation by grace. It's the mercy of God that you're not consumed already. It's the mercy of God that you're, you're living, you're breathing, you're in this building today. But can I say to you, his spirit will not always strive with man in that he's flesh. Will you stand with your heads bowed, eyes are closed? With every head bowed, every eye closed, can I ask you a question this morning? Brother Billy, I do not know for sure that I'm saved. But if what you say is so, if he can make the difference, if he can change my life, if he can make me a brand new creature, if he'll forgive all of my sin, if he can raise me up out of Adam's race and put me in his family, if he can cause me to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's what I need. I can't do a thing about it, but I will this morning throw myself on the mercy of God and on the grace of God and by faith receive him. You say, Brother Billy, I'm not saved. Would you please pray for me? Would you raise your hand across the building? Man, and woman, boy, girl, I don't know him, but I want to know him. Would you raise your hand here this morning and say, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. My dear friend, listen. There's not a person in this building, a boy or girl, a man or woman, that if you would come and throw yourself on the mercy of God and the grace of God, for by grace are you saved through faith. And in simple faith, come believing that he'll save you. He'll do it. Father, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray God the Holy Ghost right now will do what I cannot do, what no man can do. I pray God that you'd convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And dear Holy Spirit of God, draw them by your grace. And I pray this morning they'll respond in faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved.